All right, let's begin this morning. As you can see, they had a lot of fun at camp, and I am so blessed uh, to have two of our great young men in our church. Actually, they're my sons, Mark and Luke, and they're youth pastors. They're going to come and give a short overview of our youth camp. They're coming, they're coming. All right. Praise God. We had an amazing year at camp. Um, What's interesting about camp is every year we go, um, since probably I've been 12 years old, it seems like there's so much that comes in the way right before then. Like you're, you're, I mean, there's just so much obstacles in the way. There's so much that tries to pull away your, your, your drive. There I am right there <laughs> helping Colby dig through the sand. But I'm telling you, every time it, when we're faithful, we go to camp, we bring the kids, there's so much that breaks loose. There's so much apathy that breaks off of my heart and theirs. There's so much... Um, deeper intimacy that we all find with the Lord together, and exploring that together really, it makes bonds that um, that you can that you really feel are eternal. And this year wasn't an exception to that. It was amazing, and um, it's pretty it's pretty great because I'd love to tell you that it was just the students, but really, I mean, God really moves me every year, and He changes me, and He does something new every year with our with our students and with with me and Pastor Luke. So, Amen. it was an awesome week that we really enjoyed. Who remembers camp as a kid? Man, it was, for me, some of the most memorable times that I had with God. And, um, you know, that's great. We love that. But for us, uh, we believe, me and Pastor Mark, uh, that God really put it into our heart that over the next year, and really we should always be doing this, but specifically kind of pinpointing this next year, is teaching what it looks like. We love these experiences, but teaching what it looks like to experience God on a regular basis here in our normal, like our life that we experience. Um, so we are so thankful that you partner with us and to invest into the students' lives. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's give our youth pastors a hand. Again, our uh, youth group meets on Wednesday evenings. Sometimes they're in the building that is called the youth building, and sometimes they're in the Axiom Youth Building, or they're in this building, which is called the Youth Auditorium. It just kind of depends on where you got to find them. But they meet on Wednesday nights, and they always have a good time. I, I I get reports, and they go, "Oh my goodness!" And then they call the names of the students and how God's doing amazing things in their life. Well, this morning, I, I've been waiting since I said. You're dismissed last week to preach this message, and then I've got one next week. I'm going to tag team, if you don't know what that is. You ever seen SmackDown Wrestling and all that? That Lisa is going to tag team with me, and uh, we're going to talk on worship and inviting God into your difficulties. As last week, I talked about inviting God into your boat, and we talked about Mark chapter 4, about the disciples and how he, God, Jesus, was teaching about the parable of the sower, and he got to the point where he said, the seed is the word of God, and the seed that was sown among thorns that came up and choked out the word of God was part of it was the worries of this life. Now, this morning I'm going to continue the theme of how a lot of times when we go through difficulties, we pray for God to get us out. Anybody pray that way with me? I do. I do. God, get me out. But, listen, even though that's not bad, and even though God is there to realize that we need to invite God into the storm, into the boat when it seems like it's going to be crashed. 
when we get to that place of we invite God into the difficulties in our life, we begin to understand that in the storm, we are maturing. We're looking at things differently because God is with us and not just on the other side waiting for us to come out of the storm. Does this resonate in anybody this morning? Now listen, we're a Pentecost church, so nobody's going to say anything if you say, Amen, Pastor. Praise God. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Some of us can just have a little bit of freedom here this morning in your life by confessing it out of your mouth. So, so listen to this. Having a belief system. Let me, let me remind you, you have a belief system if you know it or not. And out of that belief system, you're making choices. And out of those choices, put you in experiences. And those experiences will either confirm or contradict your belief system. Now, here's the problem. Is a lot of times what we believe is not based on the Word of God. It's based on our own experiences. We have to have the Word of God in our life to correct, to, to, to get us and keep us on the right track. So to build a belief system, and, and listen, to base it and build our belief system on the Word of God, regardless of the culture that is around us, is going to take work, and it's a process continually throughout our life that we're keeping on the right road. We're, we're allowing the Word of God to speak into our life, the Holy Spirit to say, hey, hey, this is the way, walk in it. As we talked about last week, inviting God into our storm, I, I want to remind you about what I said about that. And Jesus saying, let us go to the other side. But the disciples had a problem with that as soon as the waves started tossing them about. This morning, my title of my message is Inviting God into the Fight. The Fight. Now, I want you to hear this because every time I say inviting God into the fight, we're, we're going to use some Bible examples and, and use that as our illustrations this morning to, to parallel with our lives. But I want you to understand that as we talk about Joshua, here's a guy that has a journey in his life and he begins to understand that he's going to have to fight. What's the fight? He's going to have to get to where he is, to where he wants to go, to really receive the promises of God, the promised land. Because God had already said, yes, it was up to him to lead the people eventually after Moses to the amen. So be it, God. And somewhere in between understanding that God is a good father and to the place of receiving the promises and saying, yes, amen, it's going to take a fight on our part. You know, we've heard it say the good fight of faith. So this morning when I say inviting God into your fight, it's in the difficulty that sometimes gets so big that we got to stay the course. We've got to have faith even though we don't see it, taste it, touch it. We have to put hope continually in front of us. And anybody at times lose hope? You think, man, I am fighting the good faith. I, 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 don't, I, I don't see it. It's a fight. This guy up here behind this podium is not telling you it's going to be a, a bed of roses. But the good news is during the fight, we invite God into the fight. We don't say, God, please, just please get us out. This morning, I want to start 
as a journey through the Word of God, just through this part of the Word of God. We're not going to start Genesis and go through Revelation. We could do that later. But today we're going to start at the burning bush with Moses. Now, if you remember this, that God is bringing Moses to a place of walking in his destiny, just like you and I. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are his masterpiece, predestined to do the good works that he planned before the foundation of the earth. So here's Moses, and he's walking through this, and he gets to a point in his life where he's in the wilderness. Remember all the stuff, and if you don't, go back and read Exodus. And we get to Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, and it's the burning bush experience where God begins to reveal to him. And God says, I want you to lead my people. Let me just summarize it because of time. And he says, who am I, God, that I should be able to do that? Now, after the arguing, kind of, or complaining and all that, God says, here's how you're going to be able to do that. I'm going to be with you. Now, we might talk in weeks uh, beyond today, but I want you to continually hear that. God's saying, I will be with you. He said it with Gideon. He said it with Esther. I mean, he's, he's with us. It's our acknowledgement that we invite him into the fight. Moses says, okay, eventually he says, I'll do it. God provides all these resources for him. And we see that Moses walks in his identity. He walks in being a child of God. But then you go from chapter 3 all the way down. Now, this is a journey. You know how it is. You get up and go to bed. You get up and go to bed. And there's a lot in between that. But in chapter 33, a huge fight takes place. What is he going to do to get to the promise of the yes is there, but how do I get to the amen? Because the people that he is leading have chosen to worship a golden calf. Please, if you don't know the story, Exodus, the Bible is awesome. you got to go back and read it. But here they are, they're worshiping a golden calf. Moses comes down after getting the Ten Commandments, you know, crashes them, the whole story. And God says, I'm not going anymore with you. I'm sending an angel. And Moses goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Not so fast, God. Well, he, this John Miller translation. But, but he says, God, you, you said you'd go with us. If you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I didn't sign up for going with an angel. I signed up for this journey in my life. And God, I want you to go with us because how are the world, how's the people of the world going to know that we're favored? How, how do they know that we're pleasing to you? And God says, I will go with you. Now, if you look at that, in, in, in 33 verse 11, what I love about 33 is just this little piece. And it talks about this young guy that is Moses' aide. Now, he's kind of a, a no-name at this place, but he'll grow and mature into the man of God that might, might give Moses a run for his money. And his name is Joshua. And it says that God would show up at the tent of meeting with, with Moses and talk to him as a friend face-to-face. And then he would go out and talk to the people. But watch this. There's just this little, little sentence. This little, oh yeah, by the way. It says that the young aide, young aide named Joshua would stay in the tent and not leave. When I read that again this week, I was like, wow. 
Here is this young guy, and I don't mean just age in our lives, but you might be young in Christ, and you might be a senior citizen here today. Hear me today. But here's this young Christian, this young believer, so to speak, and and he's beginning to say, you know what, I'm getting it. I have to have the presence of God in my life. I see how God shows up with Moses and it gives Moses the ability to listen to all the culture and all the complaining and stay the course. And how Moses is fighting the good fight even though God has already given us all the promise of yes, it is yes, but it's up to us to say the amen and to go into the promised land. Now, you and I know the rest of the story, but just stick with me. You know that they go, the people of Israel go to the brink of the promised land and don't go in because what? They're fearful of the enemy is too big for them. They're missing out of the presence of God being with them in the middle of the fight. Listen to that. They're missing out because they have not received the revelation by their choice. That God is with them. If they realize God is with them, are you hearing me? If they realize that God is with them, the presence of God is with them, then it's not how big their enemy is, it's how big their God is. Give me that giant. That's really what we see in Caleb. That's what we see in Joshua. Caleb is going, man, I saw this mountain called Hebron and I want it. Everybody tracking with me today. So what does it do for this man, this young aide named Joshua that, that won't leave the presence of God and he sees this happening and he stays and he stays in the presence of God? What does that do? He is inviting God into his, listen, into his life, not just into the fight. See, at this moment, there is no huge War going on. They're out in the middle of the desert. They're on the way to the promise. He's inviting God into the fight before the fight begins, before the storm. He is getting a belief system that says, even though, maybe you've heard this out of David's mouth, even though I walk through the shadow of death, the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God, you're going to be with me. Every time we sing a song on our confidence or, you know, I trust you, God, it's realizing that our belief system is getting stronger by the words, God, I trust in your faithfulness. Even in the middle of the story. But listen, so many times I've been raised and I've even preached on the fact that if you're going through the storm, God will get you out. Can we all just right now, if you're not going through a storm, I'm speaking to you. Let's decide today that when that storm, when that fight comes, when the fire is blazing, that we've already made our decision. So when we are walking and walking and we're walking, we're walking out even when we're in the fight. Now, now, this is what's so amazing. Moses is gone and in Joshua chapter 1, think about this. This is a young aide. Now he gets his name put in the Bible. Whole book, Joshua chapter 1. Now, now this is the largest probably portion I'll read, so stick with me. After the death of Moses, serving the Lord, and the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about ready to give them to the Israelites. Now remember, this is already 40 years they're wandering in the wilderness. A whole generation is, is uh, gone, died off. Moses is gone. Now you got this young guy that's kind of, come on, he's sitting in the back seat when, when dad drove. But now it's his turn. And he, oh, well, see, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I, I just let dad drive. And then when I took the steering wheel, I was like, well, <laughs> it was back when there was maps. There wasn't a pleasant woman's voice saying, turn here, turn left, turn right. Rerouting, you know. I was looking at MapSco. You remember that, guys? MapSco. Q3. Q. What page? They're all Q, you know. So it was responsibility for me to pay attention. Here's Joshua. He has to take control. God says, okay, ready? And then in verse 3, it continues. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. See, that's the promise is already yes. But it's going to be up to you to do the amen, to walk it out. Verse 4, your territory will extend and it goes all into the extension of the, the promised land. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do you hear what he's saying? My presence is going to be with you. Joshua, you might not feel it, taste it, touch it. You're going to have to walk by faith, but I will be with you. I mean, God is doing everything he can to get the revelation across to this man, even if he grabs the lapels of his collar and says, Come on, I'm going to be with you. You can do this. Have you ever tried to encourage somebody that's in the middle of the fight that hasn't made the decision before the fight that God's going to be with them? Anybody ever try to encourage somebody? Oh, no, I know, I don't know, I don't. It's almost not always, but almost hopeless at times. You're trying to pump them up and encourage them through the Word of God and, and get faith into their life. And they're like, oh, I don't know. They haven't made the decision before they got there. Let me tell you, you might have heard that before. But just reminding you of that is so important for today. Make that decision. So, so he says, I'm going to be with you. Now listen, this is what he says, and some of you heard this before. In verse 6 it says, Be strong and create courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Then he says it again like he did here. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law the servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful. Do you think Joshua wants to be successful in what he's doing? Don't we all when we get an opportunity? Even being a parent... Being a spouse, being a, a leader at work, well, well, Pastor, I'm just minimum wage. You're still the ability to be a leader in that spot so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to obey everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Joshua, say it with me. Strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I know, God. Be strong and courageous. You have to decide now. Because in the middle of the fight, you're going to wonder. Because all of us begin to wonder. Sometimes it's the devil, Lucifer. And sometimes it's you. 
that's talking to yourself. I don't know if I can do this. But there are voices that are trying to talk you out of it. God's not with you. He's saying, be strong and courageous. And then he says this, do not be afraid. Doesn't that sound like it's something that he shouldn't have even had to say? If you're strong and courageous, and then he says, oh yeah, by the way, don't be afraid. Now, if you go back to what we know in the New Testament, Mark chapter 4, if you're afraid of the worries of this life, it'll come up and choke out the word of God. But let me say it again. The spoken word of God right here to Joshua, the word of God written in the Bible to us, chokes out what we know and what we're standing on, our belief system. Therefore, we'll make choices that are wrong and put us in experiences that we go, see, God wasn't faithful. Come on now. Come all the way back here. You begin a belief system that was not true. You put it that God would not be faithful, and God is saying, be strong and courageous, and don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Big word there. In the middle of the fight, we fight against being afraid and being discouraged. And why should you not be afraid and discouraged? Because it says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Inviting the presence of God into the middle of the fight. If you go through the the book of Joshua in chapter 4, I love this because God says that that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they stood in awe of him. All the days of his life, just as they stood, as they stood in all of Moses. See, the promise was there of, yes, you're going to walk in it, Joshua? And Joshua says, I do believe I will. And he goes up against all this other stuff, and God says, okay, are you going to do it? Yes. Then you walk out the amen, so be it. And so Joshua does, and all the people go, wow. Do you know that we look a lot better when we walk in obedience to God? Do you remember the disciples? These guys are uneducated fishermen, you know, and all that, but... They're talking pretty cool. How'd they do that? Oh, they've been with Jesus. They've been in the presence of God. Let me tell you, I'm feeling it. I'm preaching myself happy up here. Come on, go with me. Again, fighting for the promises because the promises are yes, it's up to you to say amen in the middle of the storm. Now, now look at the target one more time, and then we'll go on. In Joshua chapter 1, keep the book of the law in front of you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. God is saying, I'm available. Before you go into the fight, even when you're in the fight, if you haven't decided, he's still there. But he says, I'm available before you even go into the fight. I'm available to go with you. Invite me into the journey before the fight even begins. Okay, watch this. Let's turn from motivation (laughs) to what it's going to take on your part and my part, and that is discipline. Now, here isn't the glamorous part. It's the getting up and doing the stuff. It's the system of our life. We have systems in life, and you know as well as me, you do things every day. The same way you try to do it in any time there's a little bump in your system, you know. You're on your way to get coffee and something happens. You're out of coffee. Oh, my. So we create a system 
so that we know that we're improving. Action needs continuous improvement. You have to know that even though you're acting, even though you're in motion, putting God into your life before the fight, even though you're in motion and you have action, you got to ask yourself, what is the right action? Because listen, it seems like if you are around Christians every day, that that should be a good thing. But this morning, let me tell you, just because you're around Christians, Christians, are we're all on the same team, so you don't talk bad about other Christians. Well, did you hear that televangelist? Quit that. He's on our team. There's always somebody, your pastor, what do you feel about this guy? Man. I say, you know what? I believe that he's on my team and I don't speak about anybody on my team. Oh, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> this morning, if, if, if your personality, and all of us have tendency to do this, a big roller coaster, you know, you're up one day, God's on the mountaintop, let's go take it. And then on the valley, where are you, God? I'm in the valley of shadow death and you went evil. I'm in evil and you're not here. If your roller coaster and your goal is to be consistently and continually in peace, there has to be a system in your life that you're looking at it and every day or at least every week you, you begin to watch what's happening in your life and seeing because sometimes you're doing a lot of the wrong things hoping that it becomes right. You're doing the same thing over and over, thinking you're going to get different results. You know that. But whatever got you here today won't get you over there where God has for you, what He has for you tomorrow. Now watch this. If you're not refining, listening to the Holy Spirit in your life, being self-aware of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, on a regular basis, if you're not refining, walking in the authority that God has given you as a believer, if you're not improving your process, you're unlikely to meet what you want as an outcome. Again, with that in mind, you might want to consider just this as an idea. Improving the process of what you do on a regular basis. This is the practical part of walking out Christianity. I can tell you about Joshua and we can all go, yeah, let's go get them. And then you get out there on Monday and you go, wow, this is harder than thought. Wish I had some. Let, let me, again, we talk about that we are a spirit. Remember? Remember this whole series I just got done? You're looking at me like, I don't remember that. That we have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. And we've been talking about the soul part of our life, the part of our being, the mind, the will, and emotions. We talked about the three prayer requests that most people would have, you know, if, if you ask even a non-believer. Yeah, pray for my, my healing or my family's healing. Pray for my uh, finances. I need, I need God to come through on my finances. And then also my relationships. That is what we talked about, how to improve the, our lives in the Word of God, speaking into our lives in those areas, our mind, our will, and our emotions. When we talk about Inviting God into the fight, into the storm, into the fire. That's improving 
before we even get to the storm to fight the fire, how to improve our soul being. Now listen to this. We talked just briefly, and I kind of just introduced that the ability to improve in small amounts. I knew as a, a child and going you know, to church every Sunday, and there, there's always a, let's read the Bible through in a year. And, and I'm all for that. But at the end of the year, they had people come up and usually get a certificate or something. There was nothing wrong with that. But there was like five out of a whole church. And if, if people were honest and you go to them, and how much did you read? I got to about middle of Genesis. Some people, I got to Lamentations and man, that was a beating. And sometimes, not all the times, did you read the Bible? Yeah, I read through that. What did you learn? Nothing, but I got the certificate. I read it through. And, and I'm, yes, good. Listen, I, I, I'm not making fun of that because it is a, a amount, quantitative growth of just reading, reading, getting the Word of God in you. You know, come on now. If you, gone, if you went to church last year 40 weeks out of 52, you can't tell me all that I spoke in my sermons. But being in the place of truth, again, that is good. Coming in to your life, just like reading the Word of God. But here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to do small amounts consistently over a long period of time. If you increase, let me tell you, not every day, because some people go, Pastor, every day. It goes back to reading the Bible through in a year. If you can increase 1% a week over a whole year, you will Increase 67% better than you are right now. Again, it's hard to do the numbers, and some of you don't like spreadsheets, and the sanguines in here go, what's a spreadsheet? You know what I mean? To try to figure that out. So here, here's what I'm asking. is as a, as a disciple of Christ, which is a disciplined learner of Christ, every day, Every week, you're looking to increase by a system that you put in place. Now listen, if you were in church 50 years ago, you probably heard things like a devotional in the morning or maybe even modern quiet time with God. There's times that we spend time with God in worship that we'll talk about next week, and a lot of us think that we have to be singing. <laughs> Pastor, I don't like worship. Why? You don't like worship? Yeah, because I can't sing. Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Let me tell you, Lisa almost preached me a sermon the other day. She's ready. Don't miss it. Now, let me just give you an idea. This is just John Miller's opinion of just an idea of a process. 1% a week. Constantly increasing. There's two ways. Qualitative or quantitative improvement. Now, those are two big words of just saying the quality or quantity, just a lot of stuff that you're doing. Again, it's, it's reading the Gospels through in a year or reading the whole Bible through. You can read the whole Bible through, but it's in, an improvement. Now, now, let me give you an idea. If you're going to run a merit, marathon, 26 miles, the qualitative improvement is a process you could improve your diet uh, observing how you feel, you know, as you're running, do, do, getting tennis shoes, uh, 
Cutting out negative habits if you smoke. You know, that's not really good for marathon runners. Get to bed. Qualitative. But a quantitative improvement could be keeping track of your best time every time that you run to try to get better just a little bit at a time. Now, there's a lot of single people here, and if, if you're looking for a marriage partner, a qualitative improvement could be improving how you feel about yourself using affirmation. You know, I, I'm not a bad person. <laughs> Practicing gratitude, dressing better. Maybe a new mouthwash. I'm just saying. <laughs> but a quantitative improvement could be take talking to 10 people every week and improving your conversational skills. You know what? Both are good. But it's an improvement. And listen, which one's better? Which one are you willing to do? Getting in motion. Now, now Watch this. This is where we're going to kind of shift so I can get it. Last week we talked about the daffodil principle, and you go, what is that spiritual? Nothing spiritual. Not one thing spiritual about that. But the illustration was that the people that went to this farm, this daffodil farm, remember, and they turned the corner, and there's just like all this mountainside full of daffodils, and the, and the uh, person that owned it had a, a big sign that said, answering questions that I know you have. 50,000 bulbs were planted over like 50 years. How? One at a time. And we talked about how that person would have to learn how to plant them, but then learn you don't plant it like I did the first time because that didn't work so good, and they're always tweaking it and perfecting the process. So I use that term, the daffodil principle, nothing more than just bringing us now to the point of when you're getting up on a daily basis, Hopefully you're getting up on a daily basis. And you're thinking, what do I do today? You begin to create a habit. You say, I want to spend time, listen, in the presence of God. Now, I could tell you how Alex, which in a few minutes is going to come up here and give us a testimony, how he does it, or I can come over and, and I, I don't even know for sure, but how... Dustin does it, but he'll, he'll post on, on Facebook, you know, the, the devotional. How he, But it's, what are you doing? No condemnation, but getting in motion and then watching what is working. Having freedom to say, God, I want to come into your presence on a daily basis and I want to improve 1% a week. Just giving you a target. When you become to the place of resisting improvement, you might be here today and you may be like, Pastor, I, I don't know if I can do that. Listen to this. I guarantee you, a year from now, you, have, you will wish you have started today. Okay, now I'm going to give you one more passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to call Alex up. Now watch this. As I told you right before we went to halftime, the passages is found, or this passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it's mentioned in verse 1, or yeah, verse 1, and then he comes back and says it again in verse 4 and 5. But let me give it to you, summarize. Who's speaking? 
in Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, who's he speaking to? The church at Corinth, not the church of Ephesus. That's why they call it Corinthians. All right. When Paul comes to that church, remember that here he is, he's entering it. There's people that don't know him and they're not real for sure about Christianity. Even though there's a church, there's probably visitors. Who knows? But he says this to the, in, in that passage. He said, when I came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I did not use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Now, why could he do that? Because he's a very articulate man. He had trained under some of the best teachers. He was considered a Pharisee. He had even previously argued against Greek philosophers and stuff and tied them in knots. He could have done that. But when he came to the church at Corinth, he said, I didn't come to try to, in persuasive words, talk you into it. Listen to what he says. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. The mind of Christ, nobody's seen, heard, the mind can't conceive. But then at the end of that chapter, he says, but we do because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. So listen to this. Some of us, when we get to the point of inviting God into the fight before we get to the fight, we go, God, we're looking for your presence. We're looking for the presence of God is inside of you. The good news is you don't have to necessarily wait for him to show up. He's here. He's inside of you. Now, again, there, there is something about understanding the presence of God when what we call showing up. Let me tell you, let me tell you, if you've never been in the place where you, maybe you've been by yourself, maybe you, maybe you have understood what I'm talking about in our church service, but when you enter into the presence, when we say that, enter into the presence of God, we know that the presence of God lives within us. It's becoming aware. And sometimes in our, in our spirit, it takes us Closing out all the stuff that is the distractions. It's it's the the worries of the life of life. You know that oh, I got to be at work at you know in thirty more minutes. I've got to I got to pay the bill. Closing that out, and then there's an, an emotion that comes with feeling the presence of God. But but hear me on this. Sometimes we get so stuck because we heard somebody that didn't say it like this, but conjuring up the spirit of it. It's, we're not in a seance. We're not doing the Ouija board. We don't have to. Con He's with us. It's, are you able to be with him? He's wanting. Those that seek me with all their heart, I'll be found. He doesn't say, I'm hiding over here. So realize in the middle of the fight, sometimes we're believing for something. Somebody to get saved. And we're saying, God, where are you? God says, keep on. Keep on. This morning, I'm going to ask Alex. Alex and Nettie just got back from Cambodia. Let's give them a hand. And come on up, Alex. And, and Alex uh, was telling me a story. And, and the other day, drinking coffee together. I do that sometimes. 
And, and I, I said, Alex, you got to tell that story, and especially during this sermon. So I want to tell it right now, but I'm going to let him tell it. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I want to share with you um, a story that's nothing short of a modern-day book of Acts. And told me I got five minutes, so I got a lot to squeeze in. So this all started about five to seven years ago. And it didn't involve Nettie and I directly, but rather indirectly by partnering with some pastors, local pastors that we got to know from one of our classes we were teaching out in the village. Long story short, they felt the calling to God on their lives to go to another village about five miles away to minister over there. And, uh, but to do that, they needed some help, okay? Because you got to remember, in Cambodia, you know, it's, it, the poverty is very real, and people just don't have a lot of money. So we, we meaning the church, decided to just contribute $100 a month. I think that's what it ended up. We started out with less, but then as it kept growing, we just kept giving more. But it was for practical helps, like for gas, for their motos, so they could get over there. Food for fellowship. You know, they get the village together, and they'd, you know, they'd have food after they were ministering, or, or materials for classes. It's just kind of that kind of practical stuff. But what I want to share with you next is... How this all came about, okay, and what happened because the church got together sensitive to the move of the Spirit, okay, and a lot of different people did a lot of different things to, some, to the glory of God, and that's, that's what I want to share. So it started at, at uh, Chenbo, that's her name, and her husband, Vidal. It started at her church where a gentleman from the village that they ended up ministering in came and heard the word of God, and he got saved. He heard the good news. So he went home and told his wife, well, look, I just heard this good news. This is what the Lord did for me. I'm, I'm excited, and she got saved. Hey, praise the Lord, you know. And so then they decided, well, we got to share this more in the village. So they go to the witch doctor. Now, you see, that's what happened. That's what's going on in Cambodia, okay? In every village, well, I don't know about that. but The witch doctor's demonic activity is very strong. It's very real, okay? So anyways, let's go tell the witch doctor. So they went and shared with the witch doctor what God had done for them. He got saved. Amen? So... So then he decides, well, i got to tell my wife about this. So he tells his wife, and she gets saved, okay? <laughs> well, and then she turns to the Lord and says, Lord, I have nothing but my voice. And I will give you my voice to tell anybody and everybody about Jesus. So she's turned into the evangelist of the group. And she just goes, wherever she goes, she's just telling people about Jesus. Amen. So while all of this is happening, uh, Chenbo and Vidal are now over in the village, and they're, they're just helping out. You know, they're helping just birth this. And 
So then people are seeing what God's doing, and they're getting curious. And they say, wow, I can see how these people have changed. I want that too. And then all of a sudden, God starts healing people. Boom, 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 boom. And so we know of three people who got healed. We heard, we heard of their, their testimonies. They got healed. And then there was this one couple who had nothing. They didn't have two nickels to rub together. But they came to the Lord and they got saved. And the Lord's blessing them to the point where they're, they got the Midas touch. Now, everything they touch is turns to gold. So they went from having nothing to everything. And they become kind of like the finance center for this <laughs> So, you know, this is amazing what God is doing. So, and it just, and it's continuing to this day, okay? And that's why I say this is like a modern day book of Acts. Well, then you got to start asking, well, well, why? Why is all of this happening? What, what was going on? What need was the Lord meeting? Well, we learn about that by looking at the witch doctor's life, Okay. And actually, Pastor asked me this, and so I got a hold of our of, of Chen Bo back in Cambodia. I said, what happened? Well, 10 years prior to him getting saved, this is the witch doctor I'm talking about now, the demon that he was serving told him, I want you to use your demonic powers to start killing people. And he said, no, I'm not doing it, okay? At which point... This demon then caused him to fall off of a ladder and break his neck, okay? So he goes to the doctor, which is really lacking over there, and they just put a steel pin in his neck, which just causes all kinds of problems. So for 10 years, this guy is suffering from poor health and chronic fatigue because of this injury that this demon caused him, <laughs> as well as having to still continue this demon that, that caused all of this. So he's in this place of just a lousy life, okay? And then he hears the gospel. And he hears about Jesus, and he hears about hope. So it took him two weeks to decide what he was going to do. Well, he made the decision for Christ. And so he not only made the decision for Jesus, Jesus delivered him from that demonic influence and healed him. Amen. And so this guy is on fire for the Lord, to say the least. And Chen Bo's husband was telling me, and he says, I'm even a little embarrassed to tell you this. He goes, over the last five years, the witch doctor, well, he's no longer a witch doctor, has read the Bible 20 times, cover to cover. He reads it, he meditates it, he sings it, he worships it, and God's raising him up to be the leader of this cell group. And it's just amazing what God's doing. I have no idea what that simple little $100 contribution played. But what I do know is as a bunch of Christians come together and they feel and sense the leading of the Holy Ghost, and everybody gets in the river together, 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Things start happening. And so I just want to share that with you. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, God is still working today. Just because you don't turn on the TV and hear it on the evening news, they're not going to report that. I, I was watching the TV series, you know, The Chosen, and I think it says PG-13. I thought, PG-13? The world, let, let's just put it this way. God is moving in some amazing things. As we're going through this series, I challenge you, begin to see God work in your life. But don't just wait until you're in the middle of the fight to say, God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. But in the middle of the fight, we're growing. But before we get to the fight, we're saying, God, I'm building and believing on a belief system that is based on your word, not on my experience. I, I hear this testimony and my mind goes to the fact that those missionaries could have given up. Faithful, 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 faithful. Let me tell you, it is boring at times to be faithful. Sometimes it's tiring to be faithful. They don't put mics under your chin and say, what are you doing that's so exciting when you're faithful? But one day you wake up and you're fruitful, 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 fruitful. And people are going, what is it? What's, can, can you tell us the day that you did the one thing that made you fruitful? No. I don't know. I just was faithful, 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 faithful. And that's what I've talked about today. Just increasing just a little bit over long periods of time. You're just continually being faithful. You're showing up. Be show, just be a show-upper. <laughs> be faithful. God will make you fruitful. Why don't you stand? Woo! I'm going to turn you loose. You're going to go get them. Superheroes of Keller are going to be let go onto the world. If you have made a commitment to Jesus Christ, best day of your life. But I'm asking you, here's a big word. If you've been in church a while and you know what's called the sacraments, that sounds like it's of Catholic or whatever, but it is water baptism and the Lord's Supper that we do. Next week, we will have a water baptism service after Lisa and I preach on worship. So we're encouraging you to be baptized if you've never followed the example of Jesus Christ into being baptized. We open up this and open up that and pour water in that and all that good stuff. And those people that are getting baptized are declaring a public confession that they are believers in Jesus Christ. They're followers of Jesus Christ. If you would like to be baptized, we encourage you to do that. We have a class in this office following service just to kind of explain it to you. You might get in there and go, wow, I want to do this. You might say, I'm going to wait. That's fine too. But that will be following today's service. So let's pray and then we'll go. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done in our lives. We never want to take it for granted. But God, that we serve a good, good Father that has the very best in store for us. And God, today during this message, God, we have learned how to understand that we need you and to invite you into our life, not just in the middle of the fight, 
But God, before the fight and even after the fight, that God, that you're continually living and working in our lives. Father, we thank you for the ability to know that your presence, your Holy Spirit lives within us. And God, we say thank you for that. And everybody in agreement said, amen, amen. amen. Go get them. Thanks for